Welcome to When I Was On My Mission, the podcast where missionaries tell true, unbelievable stories that they experienced firsthand. I'm your host, Brian Jensen. If you like this podcast, please tell a friend, subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating in your podcast app. It really helps us out. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of When I Was On My Mission. I'm your host, Brian Jensen, and I am with a friend, Drew Rigby. Drew, thanks for joining us. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me, Brian. Oh, of course. And Drew and I have some shared heritage back to East High School and Sigma Chi and some parts of my life that I'm very fond of. Some great missionaries have come through those institutions. Yeah, no, super, super stoked to be here. And I'm always excited to talk about the mission. It's something that's uh, still a huge part of, of my life. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. And um, so to kind of get things warmed up and rolling a little bit, just a couple questions for you. First, when uh, when did you serve your mission? What years? Uh, 2003, March of 03 to March of 05. So coming up on 20 years now, which is crazy. Oh, congratulations. And where did you go? Uh, I was in Paraguay, the Asuncion North Mission. So there's only two missions in Paraguay, the, the Asuncion proper mission and then the Asuncion North, which is a little more rural, has a little bit of the city of Asuncion, which is, of course, urban, but the rest of the mission is just kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Very good. And I, so I'm assuming Spanish was the primary language you're speaking when you're down there? Yeah. Crazy thing is um, my first area was in a, a small town on the Brazilian-Paraguayan border called Pedro Juan Caballero. So I was there for the first six months of my mission. And so, I, yeah, I learned Spanish, Guarani, and even Portuguese on my mission. And then even small tidbit, after my mission, I moved to Brazil for about a year and a half, picked up Portuguese, like actual Portuguese there. Wow, that is awesome. So are you <laughs> trilingual, it sounds like? Or... No, yeah. Like, I mean, I still, I used Portuguese for a good 30 minutes today. And I mean, Spanish is all obviously all over Utah, which is a great thing to be able to stay up on it. And then I, I try to take a little pride in, you know, my languages, but I'm sure I'm not as good as I want to be. But yeah, Guadani is hard to use around here. Like yeah. basically with just Paraguayans, you know, making an effort to stay in touch with them and keep that up and going and then um you know return missionaries i think byu has a guadani class i think it's just return missionaries mostly so i learned southern english on my <laughs> mission and i the best, I the used, best kind it's the best kind i used to have a really nice accent when i came home but but it I left. <laughs> that's great and maybe just one other question to get things rolling do you have have like a weird experience with a companion you could tell us about or a funny story yeah i think the one that sticks out to me i mean the whole companionship dynamic is such an interesting like social experiment, right? But um, I was probably about eight to 10 months. Yeah, 10 months or so into my mission. I was paired with uh, a native Paraguayan, a local Paraguayan. And and we were maybe, you know, five, 10 minutes from the border of the mission where the two missions met. And he was from a little neighborhood called, I think it was La Mare. It was just outside of our mission. And that's where he grew up. He grew up not going to school and working the streets, kind of growing up in that fashion, like a lot of Paraguayan kids do. We, we shared this area called Emboscada together and it was kind of up in the hills. It was super common for him to, to wear my garments. Like the first time it was just, you kind of laugh. And then the second, third, fourth time for the rest of the change or the second, you know, I think I was with him for two changes. 
you just kind of like just give a pat on his back and you know have at it buddy just do what you need to do <laughs> i had a lot of interaction funny funny memorable interactions but other guy on it was a great kid and hard worker and um he didn't come from much so uh, i was happy happy to share but it always made me smile <laughs> when i saw him wearing my stuff oh that's super interesting and awesome that you had patience you know understandable that he is from a different situation that's so that's super cool oh, yeah. that you would just kind of the, understand that the kid was like making way more of a sacrifice to be on the mission than yeah. i was he i think he was about 24 years old and so he gotten out late and obviously growing up in a third world country paying for a mission is extremely difficult so yeah it was anything that i had to my name was his and you know food and yeah monthly allotment just, you, you find a way to work make it work right everyone knows that and that's part of what yeah, makes admissions so such a valuable kind of like social lesson yeah totally such an important part of a missionary is meeting and living with different people that you yeah. didn't necessarily choose to live with no. and you learn you know a totally different way of life different culture and it changes you it makes you better all those types of things that's fun so you know drew i've heard that you have a couple couple fun stories a couple more on the physically dangerous side i think and then one one or two on the more return missionary uh continued yeah. service side and we'd love to hear those if you want to jump into them oh for sure yeah so like on the physical side paraguay uh, just like any country in the world you can find some more dangerous neighborhoods and some safer ones but um uh, there's some pretty rough parts around Asuncion, like, uh, you know, the equivalent of like a Brazilian favela type of a thing. And um, and so we'd had one elder who legitimately, uh, Elder Siler had been stabbed and actually sent to the hospital. He actually was in the hospital for, I think, for like a week. And oh this gosh. was, this was like, you know, I had my run in within a couple of weeks. So like everyone's uh, senses were extremely heightened, including the mission president and his wife and stuff like that. And so I was in a little, I mentioned my, this last area with Elder Gaona, we were in a place called Emboscada, which was up kind of up in the hills. And I, I got sent to Emboscada because <clears throat> I had had these issues in Huguito, this place called Huguito, which is outside of uh, an area called Limpio, which is a suburb of Asuncion. And it's one of those areas like the sun goes down and you're walking through the jungle and there's, you know, bridges across streams and creeks and you don't see around the corner and there's a house here and a house there and then like a cluster of house. So you're kind of like jumping from place to place, making your way back home at night. And, and Huguito is a pretty rough area. And so while I was in Huguito, I had, I had a gun pulled on me and then I actually had two different uh, run-ins with knives. And so wow. the, the first, the first, like, I don't know, I don't know if you could call it like a stabbing attempt. Like there was definitely an attempt to like cut, stab, but, but it, it was one of those things where like you saw it coming and like there was a, at least a foot kind of between me and the individual and my companion. And we had just come out of teaching a, a, a charla and this guy was just making a bunch of ruckus and yelling i think he was probably either mentally having issues or or drunk or something like that and took a swipe at me and you know we didn't say anything about it because the work was really really good in the area and we knew that they, we might get pulled or you know there might be um some consequences so we kept it hush hush and then like within a week or two we'd had this gun can I ask you just two questions real quick? Yeah, so for sure. somebody took a swing at you with, with a sharp object. Yeah. 
not to say anything because you want to stay in the area. Yeah, now thinking about it is probably not a good idea. But like at the time, it was the only option, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, dude, changing areas was never fun. And I had a really good companion at the time. Uh, I think we might have shared it with like a, like an elder or two, like in the district, right? But like Hashash. And then I, I think I might have mentioned it to my mom in a letter. But like... Uh, but there was this other guy who we had these other two scenario uh, situations with same guy who was kind of like the neighborhood drunk, like, and people okay. had warned us about him in like in specific areas. And we, we had just baptized the family, uh, like who lived kind of in the same block ish. This was one of those areas where like, you know, the streets are between jungles and streams. And, and he caught us crossing one of these, one of these streams with like, like not really in sight, but it was interesting. Cause like we just baptized his family and we just been doing like a, a follow-up with them and, you know, visit with them. And we were outside of their house, just like kind of chatting, small chatting. He came around and the, the mom was like, I think she was pretty concerned and she, she started saying things and we were kind of like, Oh, we'll be fine. Right. And like, so in front of her house, he walked up to us and, and pulled out this old revolver oh and gosh. literally drew it to, to my face. It's funny. Cause like looking back, I didn't really think much of it. I'm kind of a risk on type of a person. Sure, so I was like, sure. all right, bro, whatever. Like, Oh, well, like <laughs> the odds of you pulling the trigger, are, like so small. Right. Like, I don't know. I, I don't remember like, overreacting or reacting really much at all but the hermana that was that we just got baptized lost her mind and convinced the dude to just chill out and put the gun down and he put it back in his pocket that same dude in a different part of the barrio pulled a knife and like literally tried to like get at us and, and stab us and when that happened it was like all right so we reported it to the president and they immediately shut down the area for I think it was probably shut for like six months to a year. And that's how I got moved to Emboscada, which was just kind of up the road, 15, 20 or so minutes, like kind of up in the, in, the, in the hills. But yeah, I mean, like, yeah, stuff happens on the mission, right? But I don't remember ever feeling like super in danger. And I'm sure that's like really cliche because, you know, all the missionaries are protected by the spirit and everything like that. But which I'm sure we, we were and we are. But um I don't remember that ever like crossing my mind, like being galvanized by the spirit and like, you know, I'm going to be, it was more just like, what the heck's going on? Like, all right, got to deescalate the situation. Still try to be friends with them and like move on, you know? That is wild. So Drew has a hard three strike policy. If you get <laughs> stabbed at or held a gun, you know, those situations three times, then, then we're oh, it's, then serious. Yeah. It's weird. Cause like, I, I don't remember hearing, much of anything from that point on in my mission about like stabbings or guns which is it shouldn't be surprising and was a that was a crazy area there for a hot minute for sure but um otherwise i had great memories of, of that area some of my best baptisms from people who were still active who went on missions and got married in the temple and like still are, are having kids like they came from that area as well so that is awesome I'll share a quick two minute experience in my first area i had been uh -huh. out maybe three or four months or something like that i think i was on my second companion and okay. family from guatemala and i was english speaking so they spoke english but they lived in kind of a, a ghetto neighborhood in okay. in a rough part of the city and we had an appointment with them and along the way we met this other guy and he said hey come back sometime so went over to his house 
And I distinctly remember pulling up to his house on my bike and looking down at my feet as I put them down on the ground. And then I just heard this boom, 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 boom. Like somebody, somebody <laughs> shoots like six shots, like a, like a lot of shots. I remember looking to my left and seeing these guys like kind of standing around up the street. And I think they're the ones who shot. And then I remember looking to my right and seeing the guy who we're going to go teach the lesson. And he's got his hands out like this, like he's oh. like looking, like trying to no. see if he got shot. And, um, and I was I, like, oh my I gosh. Have... Yeah, it was, it was wild. And I remember going up to the guy and he was like, it's not a good time. And I was like, yeah, I understand, buddy. It's not a good time for us either. <laughs> so I didn't have the cojones that yeah. you did though, because we just bailed and never went back. Good stuff on the mission. No doubt. And, but I, I know the feeling, you know, like you, I've been, I've walked through some rougher areas. I don't know if I ever felt protected, but I never felt in danger. And I would get in weird situations like that. And there was nothing, you know, I just always felt comfortable. I don't, I don't know. And I do, I do think missionaries get protected and they get put out in some dangerous situations more, more than you'd think, you know? Yeah. I think definitely felt protected like almost the entire time through my mission, but like, my comments maybe like it wasn't like supernatural right like it was yeah. like reasonable like i had the confidence that i would be protected and therefore maybe i wasn't protected i don't know but like it i, I definitely felt watched over like that that's without question 100 percent. those are fun ones and i'd love just to hear too about some of the return missionary stuff that you've experienced and i heard that you have a relationship uh, with Paris, who we've talked with earlier as well on the podcast. Paris is an amazing human and a very inspirational guy to be around. But Paris was living in a, an area that my younger brother, Chase, who's four, four and a half years younger than me, was working in a little town called Tuskegee, Alabama. And Chase, even though he's four years younger than me, uh, sorry, I might get a little emotional. I look up to him in a lot of different ways. And um I think uh, he's expanded my vision of what missionary work means and is like post-mission. I'm super proud of my time that I spent in Paraguay and I worked, you know, my butt off and left it all on the field. And so I feel like I was an, uh, an excellent missionary, but Chase is really, he's just kind of on the, always on the leading edge of thinking outside the box, which I really appreciate, appreciate about him. But um, anyways, long story short, he sent, Paris home in the middle of his mission without telling my family. And this was like not too long after I had been home. Right. And so I just remember one day hearing from my parents that like, Oh, we got this kid coming home. Who's going to live with us. And we pick him up tonight at the airport. And I'm in college, like loving, enjoying life, you know, like, so I'm not thinking much of it. And then Paris shows up and like, it's a thing. <laughs> like, Paris is here and he's not going anywhere. He's not leaving. Right. And so it was like an amazing experience. And so Paris lived with us, you know, from a young age all the way through high school, college, his mission, and then came back and everything like that. And so that experience was so rich and so rewarding in so many different ways that it inspired me to try to do the same. And I've always even before Paris have had a passion for my mission for the country of Paraguay for Paraguayans. Like I feel strongly that I, I have received way more from them than I will ever be able to return. Right. Like even including all the missionary work and the seeds and everything like that and the baptisms and conversions. But like, I feel like I've been 
the beneficiary of that relationship. And so having that passion and and drive like to try to keep it a part of my life, I uh, I've had a few opportunities to to bring up converts, people that I've baptized and other Paraguayans from my mission and host them in the same capacity that, you know, my family, my, my parents and Chase hosted Paris. And so we've had a couple of Paraguayans that we brought up, you know, at high school age and who have lived with us throughout high school, through college. They go on their missions, they come home. One of them is married uh, to a girl he met at BYU. They've got a kid now, they just had their first kid. And actually Chase was involved in, in that one. We, Chase and I went back down to Paraguay Oh, it's probably been like six, seven years. Um, and we were, we, he had, I think he was down in Brazil for work and I was going down to Paraguay anyways. So we met there with another one of his friends, Sam Baldwin. Sam served in Madagascar, like, but he was like, I'll come. So we, we went and visited one of my families that I have always kept in touch with. And while we were there, Chase and I were messing around, joking around, Hey, we should, we should take you up to the States. And one of the kids was like, I'll do it. He had already been a return missionary. And so Chase was a part of that one. But yeah, we brought him up. And then this other one, he came up, uh, you know, when he was young in high school. They're still a big part of my life. But one of the benefits that I've I've had from this these relationships is obviously like I've been enriched through these experiences. And I feel like it's made me a better person. And it's given me an opportunity to give back to Paraguay and to stay um, connected to Paraguay. And so, yeah, like I, I just... I think of all the mission talk and all the stories, conversations you can have with friends about how funny and how wonderful missions are. Like my post-mission experience has been as rich as my two years there in the country. And we're fortunate to be able to see Paraguayans come through our house uh, all the time. Like when people show up to Utah, uh, if they're Paraguayan in any shape or form, like they stop in and, and we do what we can to help. And and try to forge a relationship and keep in touch. And, and that's been like insanely rewarding for me. And obviously if you served in Paraguay, you know, but everyone feels the same way about their mission and about the people that they serve. And so I think that might be like the one unique take um, that many people don't really talk about or consider is like the post mission connection. And, and so I think that's probably worth maybe, you know, at least talking about sharing and, and not everybody has the opportunity to do so. So in no shape or form does it make you like a, a lesser return missionary if you're not engaged in that stuff. I've, I don't know that I've pursued it as much as it's just kind of happened and like one thing, you know, leads to another. And here we are, you know, years later. And I, I can't imagine life without it. I, I really can't. Like it just, there's not a day that goes by that Paraguay is not in my, in my thoughts, in my mouth, like talking about it some shape or form, like throughout, you know, a couple times a day. Well, that's amazing. And Drew, do you have, do you have kids? I do. I've got four girls. Have your girls seen a benefit from this work that you've done post-mission and inviting these people into your house? I think so. I don't, it's such a normal thing for them that like, I haven't really sat down to talk to them about it, but my dad made an effort to talk to me. And I even think Chase um, about his mission throughout our childhood. And he would always talk and tell us about his mission and share stories and profiles of people that he worked with or baptized. And, and so I had this huge desire to serve a mission even before, like, I really knew what it was, right? Because I looked up to him so much. And so 
when I was in high school for our senior trip, I actually decided to go to his mission for my senior trip, which was uh, in Ecuador. And so we spent a week, week and a half in Ecuador when I was a senior. And and I was like bent on going to Ecuador for my mission. And when I got my call, I literally was like, where the heck is Paraguay? I, you know, like, you got to be kidding me. Like, I'm supposed to be going to Ecuador. You know, after I got over that in like, you know, 10, 15 minutes, uh, it's been Paraguay or bust for, for the rest of my life. But anyways, to answer your previous question, like, I try to make an effort to share specifics about the mission, but I also don't want to put pressure on them. It, like, it needs to be their own decision and they need to follow their own path in life and, and be independent and do it for the right reasons. And if they don't go, I'll love them no less, right? So, but I would love to for them to have that experience. So I think it's like normal for them apart. Like, I'm telling you, like, I'm probably atypical, like the amount of Paraguay you know in our house is probably a little obnoxious so like i think it's i think it's part of their life i think so but hopefully like in a healthy in a healthy way that's amazing what an awesome thing to be normalized to the, just that level of opening <laughs> your house and charity and things like that that is so cool yeah well it makes me think you know what can i do different or more with uh, the people that i know back in north carolina and that thing is like there's a whole another conversation or dozens of conversations about this but like i that's something that i think about often is like what kind of systems or programs or what can we create organization wise like to get returned missionaries like still engaged with the with the countries and the people that they serve like i just i feel so strongly that the majority of returned missionaries would if there was a way an efficient way to connect them to their people right so, and and i'm not i'm not talking just like communication social media and stuff like that but like actually like engaged in like these people's lives in some meaningful fashion other than just communicating so i don't know i don't know what the answer to that is but it's it's been awesome i would love that and part of the impetus of this podcast is just to remember your mission because yeah. not yeah. as many people are as engaged as you are and uh, you know where they served and i just think thinking back on those experiences that you have has that benefit and connects you back and I fully agree with that and Drew, I ask, I ask everybody this question. I think it's, I think it's pretty apparent for you, but thinking back to your mission, the good and the bad, Gary and the, you know, enlightening, was it worth it serving? Oh, serving hundred percent, dude, I'll get emotional. Just, yeah, it's uh, the most important decision I've ever made in my life without a doubt. And, and I, that's not to discredit or downplay like my wife getting married and having our kids and everything like that but i would not have my wife and my kids had it not been for the decision to go on a mission and and that's me specifically like other people have different journeys and uh go about it differently and they're probably better humans than i am <laughs> but like for me personally like there is not a chance in hell that i would be in the same place that i am today if i had not served a mission like it's not even close fully agree with you there. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. Thanks for the stories. Thanks for the, you know, the encouragement around return missionary work. And just thanks for joining us on the podcast. Oh, for sure. Thanks for having me, Brian. I appreciate it. It's good to catch up. I hope you enjoyed this episode of when I was on my mission. If you or someone, you know, has a great mission story, we would love to hear it. Please email us at contact at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram or Facebook at when I was on my mission. If you like this podcast, please tell a friend, subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating in your podcast app.